This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together and repeat together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. It's who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us, and good morning to those watching us online at home all over the world and our campus in uh, the Fox Valley. Our Stevens Point campus is also online with us today. They're not gathering because of a COVID uh, outbreak there among some of the musicians and Pastor Bob. Pastor Bob got so bad this week, they actually had to check him into the hospital and uh, was really struggling. Uh, if, if you know Bob, he's a big guy. It's one of the weirdest things. They say some of the biggest, strongest people are the ones who get hit the hardest, which is why I'm fine. <clears throat> so, uh, <laughs> pays to be a girly man sometimes. Anyway, uh, uh, we, we just got an update that he has turned the corner and is doing better and is on his way to full recovery. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. And I keep those guys in your prayers. Uh, I want to pause briefly for our offering uh, many of you give automatically online, which we really appreciate, uh, recurrent giving. The rest can do it as each Sunday occurs. You can give on the way out of your campus this morning, uh, just at the buckets there, or you can go online now to, uh, on our uh, app. Actually, if you have it on your app, it, app on the phone, it really makes it easy. Or you can text to give, which is you send a text to this number, 77977. And then in the message that you're going to text, you just put CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church Wisconsin, and then the dollar amount. So you can pick up your phones and play with them. Those of you online or at home can do the same, or you can do online if you're watching on celebrationchurch.tv. There are buttons there that you can push to give. Also, this is the first Sunday of Advent. We had our first Advent candle lit this morning. Uh, great time of the year. And uh, this is when we do our annual legacy campaign. And what we do is we raise additional funds above your normal giving. We're all giving gifts and stuff like that. We encourage, don't forget the kingdom of God when you're doing your giving. Our goal is for 100% participation. In other words, our goal is that everybody 
does something. So if you're prepared to do that this morning, great. If not, we'll be doing this every Sunday uh, through the Christmas season to uh, set some money aside, some extra money to give into the kingdom of God. We encourage all of you to do it. Now, if you have the app on your phone, it's the easiest because you can pull it up and you'll see uh, the Green Bay campus or Stevens Point campus or Appleton campus, whatever. And, uh, and then you can see legacy and then give special. So if you're an automatic giver, you're going to have to do this or nothing else happens. The automatic giving is your, your weekly or monthly giving that you give anyway. So you're going to need to visit online or you can bring a check with you and pop it in the offering uh, on the way out the door or you can mail in your check to the church uh, and we'll get it that way as well. So just encourage everybody to join. Last year, I believe we pretty much hit our goal of 100% participation. It was the largest percentage of giving we've ever had, uh, which is great, and we celebrate that. And some of you got these cards. Obviously, those on you line do not have it, but uh, kind of a little legacy snapshot of what we were able to do last year. We did lots of things. Uh, we had over 70 people last year, part of Celebration Day, that came into our church, heard the gospel, and gave their lives to Jesus. That's a lot of people, and we're excited about that. Uh, we, have, we were able to put in a new campus pastor in the Fox Valley. Chris and his family were excited about them, doing a great job down there, and uh, found a new home there and used funds to get that started. Um, we were able to do upgrades to the building here in Stevens Point, or in Green Bay, as well as in Stevens Point. So we're excited about that. I believe here we did the roof, right, and the new carpeting for the kids and stuff, which was horrid. Thank the Lord that demon has been exercised. <clears throat> uh, greater overall financial strength to the church, and, uh, and we've just been celebrating this. And I know a lot of people watch us online, even in the city and stuff, because so many churches are still closed. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, uh, they won't go out at all. Uh, and uh, a lot of churches all around the country are struggling financially. So when I say that we are doing well, we are actually ahead of where we were last year. And it's been amazing. And so grateful for that. And, and I don't say that to go, nah, 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 to other churches or brag or anything. I'm just, look, it's because of these people. These people are incredibly faithful uh, and uh, they just never give up. And uh, that's what happens when you live in Green Bay and Wisconsin. It's so cold, we just learn to never give up. So, good thing to have. Um, we're able to do some new things with our digital ministries to all the different ages and stuff like that. Getting better. We've been doing this online stuff for a very long time. So this came very naturally to us when all this uh, COVID thing hit. And we're continuing to improve that. Uh, and the church did thousands of acts of kindness in each of our communities as we let Christ's light shine through us. Our la largest service of the year. That's right. Our largest service of the year. 3,400 people on a Sunday morning on Easter Sunday. So that's a new record for us. Praise the Lord. That's a lot of people. At any given time in our church, uh, there's anywhere from a third to half of the people that aren't here. Uh, just because of people's lives and schedules and stuff. Next Sunday, some of you won't be here that are here today, and other people will be here and stuff like that. Usually a big like Christmas and Easter is when everybody tries to get there on the same Sunday. So we have... Uh, over 3,000 people who consider Celebration Church their home. And, uh, and that's great. It's a great blessing uh, to have them as part of that. I meet people all the time who tell me in town that they're, you know, they recognize me and they're glad to be part of Celebration Church. And we smile and, 
walk away and I look at the answers, who are they? I say, I have no idea. I've never met them before in my life. Only because they, uh, it's a big church. You don't even get to see everybody. And a lot of people like to sit and as soon as church is over, it's like the start of the Kentucky Derby. Ding! And they're off. And they split out the back doors so they don't get to see everybody. But uh, it's, it's great. Uh, one, of the, one of the funniest ones was, uh, uh, this was a few years ago, but uh, one, of the, one of the very famous Green Bay Packer players uh, was up ahead of us, and uh, um, he's not playing now. He's a broadcaster on television now. Anyway, uh, he sees me, comes running over, and says, Pastor Mark, oh, good to see you. Man, we love coming to your church. I says, great. And he, and he left, and I looked at him next to me and said, I've never seen him in our church. But anyway, you know, people come and go, right? So there's so many people that we really touch and affect, uh, not even to mention all those who watch us online and on the streams and stuff like that. And there's still the biggest bulk of our church, still two-thirds, are at home, and we understand it and giving lots of grace. Uh, uh, we're hoping this thing comes to an end. It'll come to an end sooner than later. Uh, I hope you're all watching and guarding yourself. You know, it says it only takes, what, 30 to 60 days to start a habit? Or you had almost a year now of sitting on your butts at home in your underwear watching us uh, on screens. So when things open up, get your butt back in church. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that when this lifts, we're going to see pretty much the same attendance as we're seeing now because people have established what would be, under normal circumstance, a bad habit. I was talking to a pastor earlier this week. He said, I was out at this place. It was, it was a bar and food and stuff like that, and the place was packed, shoulder to shoulder, and one of the guys in our church were all sitting there talking, and you know, lots of you have seen these environments. They're all getting together, big parties and stuff like that. And then on Sunday morning, he says, I noticed he wasn't there. And he said, I called him. He says, where were you? He says, well, we're concerned about COVID. He said... You were just in the bar with me last night, shoulder to shoulder. And I thought, you know, I've had the same experience with some people in my church. So uh, suddenly Sunday morning, you're very covert diverse, but Saturday night, it's all okay. So what does that mean? Bad habits are being set. Shake it off, people. There's something special, divinely special. Seriously, this is not normal. This shuttering ourselves off, and I get it. But let us not forget, the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Something holy, something special, something powerful and energizing happens when we meet together with other believers. So, stick that in. Not to make you guys at home feel bad. We're giving you grace. Just let you know the sermons are coming. All right, so <laughs> be, ready. be ready to get your clothes back on and come to church. Uh, Although, if you came in your pajamas, I'm still okay with that. Just come. All right. All right. I think that's all of that, right? It's an exciting year. Let's, do, let's see what's going to happen next year. You see, man, people are saying, I, I hope, uh, uh, I'm glad that 2020 is over. And I'm just hoping it wasn't a trailer for 2021. Coming attractions, you know what I'm saying? Hopefully. <laughs> trailer, what kind of trailer? You know, you know, like in the movie, you see the movie trailers of coming attractions? Hopefully this year wasn't a coming attractions of something worse next year. And if it is, so what? Hang on, right? When you get to the end of your rope, what do you do? You tie a knot. Hang on. Don't give up. The Lord tells us not to give up, which we're going to read in just a second. Let's look at that now. In our scriptures, we're going to look in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, starting at verse 1. Mark 13, 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher. What massive stones, what magnificent buildings. And it was quite impressive, this temple and stuff that they had built. And Jesus said, do you see all these great buildings? 
Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down, which is shocking for them, the Jewish culture. This is like, you know, a big deal for them, the temple. And as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately. He asked them what everybody wants to know. When is this going to happen? When is the end going to be? What, what will be the signs that they're about to be fulfilled? And then Jesus starts speaking of the end times. Now, uh, most Bible scholars believe that a lot of the prophecies that Jesus was talking about, or even the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible, is covering a huge span of time. Some believe everything's saying is going to happen at one time. Uh, some of it very specifically will, but a lot of it is just a big, broad brush, and depending on who you listen to, uh, they'll tell you what parts they believe have already taken place, but all of it obviously isn't done yet. So Jesus starts to talk and starts to tell them about some of the stuff that is going to happen. Many, some of these things have already happened. But anyway, he says to them, uh, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming that I am he and will deceive many. False prophets, false messiahs. There's a, there's a messiah here, there's a messiah there. And he warns them, be careful. Don't respond to the, that sort of thing. He says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. A lot of people believe these are the, the first two world wars, massive wars. So World War II was at a scale that's hard to even comprehend. Up to upwards of 100 million people. You gotta think of that number. 100 million people were killed. Most of them civilians. It was a mess. It was just an incredible thing. Uh, but, and a lot of people thought at that time, well, this, the end is coming. It's, you know, this, is, this, is, this has got to be the end time. Well, it is in a very general sense, but still other things must come. He says there will be earthquakes in various places. We've certainly seen that. Famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. Uh, obviously, this has already happened. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses. We don't have kings now, but they did. And they had to testify under threat of death. The gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, don't worry beforehand what to say. Just say what is ever given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Really kind of a great lesson here. If there's anything you're going to be stressed out about, and Jesus tried to teach us not to be stressed out about stuff, some of y'all stressed about what you're having for lunch, just stressing about everything all the time. Don't do that. And certainly a stressful situation would be if you've been arrested for your faith and they're going to drag you in front of the king or whatever, uh, you're going to be very stressed out about to say, he says, don't even worry about it. Don't even think about it. Just when you get up to the talk, the Holy Spirit will show up and boom, you'll be saying the right words. Why? Trying to teach us, don't freak out about stuff. All right? Um, it's going to get bad. Brother will betray brother to death. A father will betray his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. That's a general statement. Uh, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Hence the comment, tie a knot. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, then the writer of the Gospel of Mark puts in there, let the reader understand, uh, because you have to understand Old Testament teachings and prophecies and stuff, which I'm not going to get into. If you want to know what that is, do your own little Bible study, all right? And he says, then those who are in Judea, when you see this happen, man, run, run, 
because now it's going to really get bad. Let no, let no one on the house stop, go down, or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be for, the, for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this does not take place in winter because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. It will be the worst of times. Uh, we, people talk about this is the worst they've ever seen it. Uh, it's difficult, worst probably in my lifetime, but this is not the worst that the world has ever seen. There's been a lot more worse times than what we're experiencing right now, uh, but this is going to be the worst. This has not yet happened, all right? And he said, if the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, the chosen one, the people of God whom he's chosen, he shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, look, there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect, the chosen people of God is what that means. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. And then he quotes from Isaiah in the Old Testament. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from, the hev from heaven, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. I don't even know what he's talking about there. But uh, we'll explain that in just a minute. <laughs> just, it's going to get bad. At that time, people will see the Son of Man. It's just before Jesus comes back. The Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, uh, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get, get, ten, get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have been, that have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Next verse. But about that day and hour, remember, now he's getting around to the question. When is this going to happen? But about, so he tells them all this stuff, which I'm sure had their eyes as big as saucers. Some of you are going, ooh, I don't know that's all going to happen. Uh, but that day or hour, nobody knows. So he says, when is it going to happen? Nobody knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Now that brings up some very interesting theological questions. Jesus saying, I don't even know. <laughs> well, how's that possible? Because he and the father are one. The simplest answer is that in the human flesh, Jesus had some limitations. Uh, but anyway, he's basically saying nobody knows. Nobody knows. And by the way, every so many years, some idiot comes along and writes a book saying when Jesus is coming back. And people get all freaked out. Don't do that. And it's been a while, so we're about due, I think, Randy, don't you think? I mean, it's about every so nutcases come along, and they start telling, because they figured out some mathematical secret formula in the Bible. Really? Because when Jesus said, nobody knows, that means you too, you Nimrod. Nobody knows. <laughs> and I get calls all the time from people in my church, is this the end? Are they right? And I just, Ugh. But not everybody comes every Sunday, all right? Nobody knows. Do not freak out. Uh, where am I? <laughs> but that day, nobody knows. Okay, verse 33, be on guard, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts the servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. In other words, watch out. You don't know when I'm going to come back. Therefore, verse 35, <sighs> almost done here. Keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch, 
Now, today is the first Sunday of Advent. So, well, that's kind of a weird Christmas verse. <laughs> uh, uh, but the truth is, it's a very appropriate Christian verse. Because in Advent, Christians celebrate, the church celebrates, the first coming of Jesus. And we're supposed to be at the same time celebrating the next coming of Jesus. We're looking forward to the second Advent now. Uh, the, the word Advent uh, means something that you've been waiting for is finally here. Uh, you know, you might be waiting for the advent of the new iPhone or um, the advent of a, you'll watch it in commercials, you know, the advent of the new Chevy Tahoe, you know, everybody's waiting for the new updates or whatever. This is an advent. The first advent and the people all throughout the ocean were waiting, waiting, waiting and Jesus arrived. That was the advent, okay? Uh, and we will celebrate that uh, in the weeks to come, uh, the first advent. But we also need to remember there's a second advent, and historically, traditionally, Christians were supposed to celebrate and be reminded of the second advent as well. So for us, advent is the season of the liturgical year observed in most Christian churches as a time of expectant waiting and preparation for both the celebration of the nativity, which was the first, and the return of Christ as the second coming. And that's why we're talking about that uh, today. Now, the Bible... The New Testament is full of scriptures. We're going to just touch on a few here about reminding us of this second advent. Obviously, in the gospel, we read this, and all four gospels have Jesus talking about the second coming. In uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were constantly talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I don't know what this, yeah, I didn't look it up, but it was several hundred years before the church actually celebrated the first coming at all. Christmas wasn't until hundreds of years later, and then he started going back. Whenever they got into Advent, it was all about the second coming. This is what's in the New Testament over and over and over and over again. He's coming back again. Peter wrote, 2 Peter 3, 13, but in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. James chapter 5, verse 7, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. They were constantly talking about the Lord coming back. He said, see how a farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains, so and they, they know they're coming. We too know he's coming. He says, be patient. The Lord is coming. And the very end of the Bible, if you get to the very end, the very last few words, we read this in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, which is the last verse of the Bible. And he who testifies, talking about Jesus, to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And then John, who wrote the book, says these four words, amen, come, Lord Jesus. It's all about looking forward to the second coming of Christ. Uh, and Jesus warned us, pay attention, because you can kind of get numb to all these things and not paying attention anymore. Uh, I dare say many Christians, if not most in America, are much more in anticipation of the next iPhone than they are of the coming of the Lord, because we kind of lose our focus and stuff like that. We have to remember, don't get rocked to sleep in the world in which we live. If you do not regularly think about the coming of the Lord, you're really not in a good place. Christians should be constantly looking. Why? Because the Bible says, don't get so caught up in what's down here. Don't, so be, don't be so myopic, you know? That's, that's when you have really 
close vision. I was born very myopic. I used to have glasses that look, you know, I look like a fly, okay? Because I just had big, thick glasses. And then I got LASIK because I looked like a fly. So anyway, but uh, so I'm pretty good now. Actually, I don't even need these. I'm just so used to wearing glasses, it creeps me out when I don't wear them. Isn't that funny? Uh, But they're bifocal, so it helps me to see close. (laughs) So anyway, um, don't get so myopic, so focused on this life, all about this, and what am I going to do, and where am I going to go, and how am I going to do this, and the scriptures, New Testament, is constantly warning us, be careful. Don't get so focused on your life, you forget about the next life, because the next life is going to be a lot longer than this one. Don't get so focused on the temporary that we forget about the eternal. That's why we're challenging people. When you're doing even your Christmas planning, think financially of what you can do for the kingdom of God. That is eternal. Don't get totally focused on what Johnny needs because chances are Johnny doesn't really need much of anything because <laughs> our kids are spoiled. Anyway, so uh, let's get back to where we were just in Mark chapter 13. So he tells us all this stuff about the end and it's enough to give you nightmares if you think about it. And then... And verse 35, he said these words, therefore, keep watch. And whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you need to check what it's there for. All right, does that make sense? Therefore, and it says it all the time, virtually every time. I should have checked if it was every time. I think it's every single time in the New Testament where it talks about the end, it always ends with therefore. Seeing what's coming, stay alert. Don't get rocked to sleep by this world that wants to keep you in its days. We forget about eternal things. Therefore, and Jesus says what? Keep watch. I say to everyone, watch, pay attention. The purpose of prophetic scriptures is not to get Christians arguing over what it means. And a lot of people will argue about end time scriptures and stuff like that. Um, There was a time, I know some of you guys have been around for a while in the 80s and stuff like that, where Christians routinely argued intensely about end-time scriptures. And, and you know, there's small pockets that still do that. Uh, but uh, it was very prevalent until finally we started getting a clue. I don't think we're supposed to be arguing about this because we don't know. Nobody really knows, right? Someone says, well, what? What? Are you pre-tribulation? Are you post-tribulation? Are you mid-tribulation? All these different theories. I said, I, I believe in the pan theory. And they said, what does that mean? It'll all pan out. I mean, because I don't know. You know, who knows what's going You know, what are you going to do if you're wrong? You're going to quit? You know what I'm saying? Some people believe the rapture's going to come and snap us out of here. Uh, what if it doesn't? You're going to give up? Or say, other people say, I, I don't believe in the rapture. What are you going to do? Not come? Everybody gets said, hey, put me back down. I want, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's absurd to argue about stuff we don't really know. And here's the thing about prophecies. Most prophecies aren't really understood until they start to happen. And then you go, ah, (laughs) that's what it means. You know, the New Testament in the Gospels is constantly talking about the prophets and they're quoting prophecies about the Messiah. And if you ever go back and just read those in a context, I think to myself, if I'm reading this 2,000, 3,000 years ago, there's no way I think he's talking about the Messiah. You wouldn't even know. But then they said, this is what he was talking about. Oh, now it makes sense. Now it makes sense. All this kind of stuff. So... Uh, so the reason to watch is because the things foretold in Scripture usually, as I said, only become clear as they take shape and actually happen. As we watch, we see, see things take shape, and it motivates us to be ready. Let me give you some examples of why we should watch. And these are just very quick here. Uh, in Revelations, 
the last book of the Bible. And this one, you really want your head to go on a read the book of Revelations. It's hard. He's writing how much of it, how much of it is literal, how much of it is, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, can you imagine 2,000 years ago, you see armies fighting and you see tanks? How do you describe that? They never saw a tank. They haven't even seen a car. They haven't even seen a Prius. They haven't seen anything. And so how do you describe? So he talks about, you know, things looking like lions and, and, and fire blowing out of their mouth. Is that a tank? I don't know. Or is that some creepy creature? I don't know. You know, pretty sure when we see it, we're going to go, oh, that's what he's talking about. So anyway, it's very intense and it covers huge, just like Jesus was talking, covers huge parts of scripture or time. Many, many of these things have happened, but there's some very specific stuff that has not happened that is going to be at the very end. Now, in Revelation chapter 13, um, we read about a man who's going to come. He's called the Antichrist. The Old and New Testaments talk about this one person that someday is going to come, and he's going to be the epitome of evil. And if you're a Democrat, it wasn't Donald Trump. All right? And... Vice versa, all right? This is going to be some character that uh, is going to come out of nowhere. And, uh, and by the way, that's actually a good point. Because if you're always watching, you see stuff and kind of, you, get, you get a picture of how things can happen. Uh, this idea, we always wonder, how can someone come out of nowhere and overnight become the most powerful person in the world? How does that even happen? And then Barack Obama came along. Now, he's not the Antichrist, all right? I'm not saying I have nothing to do with his politics. God bless him and his family. I'm just saying... It was the first time in my lifetime, I think in the history of mankind, that someone from nowhere, he was a nothing, nobody hadn't accomplished anything, which was a lot of the knock on him, right? He was a first-time senator in Illinois, whoop-dee-doo, you know? All of a sudden, boom, he becomes the president of the United States. When I saw that, I went, ooh, I guess it can happen. Again, it wasn't him, but I'm saying it's, it's, that can happen. Someone's going to come out of nowhere, and this guy is going to be the epitome of evil, and all hell literally is going to break out on this earth, and it's going to make 2020 look like a walk in the park. It's going to be bad. So anyway, talking about this beast, this is, this, he's, he's called the beast, this, this antichrist, starting at verse 16 of Revelation 13. It says, and it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and that number is 666. People have been trying to wonder forever, what does that mean? Nobody knows. But my guess is when it happens, we're all going to go, oh, that's what he's talking about. Now, non-Christians for years made fun of verses like this. So that's virtually impossible. You can't do that. Why would anybody get a mark on their hand or their forehead so that they could track them? Well, if you're watching, you see stuff all the time, and so much has happened in the last few years. One of the things they're doing now, like with pets, is they take a little tiny thing, it's, it's like a piece of rice, and they implant it in the animal so they can track that animal wherever it goes. Well, that's creepy. And I remember hearing someone on the radio talking about, oh, that's great, man, we should have everybody put one of those on their hand. And I could tell the lady that was interviewing him was a Christian. She wasn't really admitting it. She goes, that's probably not a good idea. He says, why? That's a great idea. She says, yeah, something in the Bible about that. And the guy had no idea what she was talking about. So one of these Green Bay broadcasters, what? I know what you're talking about. That would be a great idea. And she's like freaking out. Uh, because how is that even possible? Now it's actually possible. 
Okay? Um, da, 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 da. So, and then it said, well, how can you control what everybody buys or sells? You can't do that. I don't care. What, you can go anywhere and give somebody 500 bucks. But everything is changing now. Do you know, by and large, you can't buy or sell almost anything if you don't have a credit card? with a series of numbers on them. Do I think the credit cards are the mark of the beast? No, I'm just saying, this is just the beginning. This is, he said, watch, pay attention. You're the, if you go on, you, you can't get on Amazon and send them $20. They won't give, they'll send your money back. You can't do it. You have to use a card, all right? And you think it's gonna be very hard all of a sudden. Now, it's gotten better than that. Now, you have it on your iPhone. And right across the street here, wherever am I at? Over here at the gas station. Uh, I don't have to even pull my credit card out. I just go, whoo, and it goes ding. It knows who I am. And I pay for my gas that way, which is fun and a little creepy. <laughs> if you're paying attention and watching, oh man, you know, how long before all that happens? Uh, and then the motivation, well, even if they do, how are they going to get everybody to do this? How are you going to convince people in the world? And man, this one if you've been watching, has been made clear this year. Because nothing is more, look at the current pandemic. Uh, there is a cry from government now that they want to do contact tracing. If you got COVID, who were you with? And they're getting frustrated because they don't know how to do that. <laughs> Guess how they're going to do that. Everybody has a little chip so that we can see who you're with so that we don't have problems. Contact tracing. This is all for your good, you see. This is all for your, for your health. Thomas Paine, one of the founding fathers, who was very anti-Christian, by the way, but he's a very smart guy, he said, the greatest tyrannies are always perpetrated in the name of the noblest causes. You know, and it's shocking. And I say this as a citizen now and making a smart political statement. The number of liberties that Americans have freely surrendered this year is shocking to me. If you would have told me last year that people would give up on their liberties because of something like this. I was like, you're crazy. And I am stunned, stunned that so many have. And this, is, and this isn't really even as bad as it's going to get. There's going to be something else coming. I guarantee it's going to be a lot worse than this. You know, this has, what, a 1% death rate? Wait till we have something that's got a 30, 40% death rate. They are going to insist and they're going to want to know and oh my goodness. You start just watching what's going on around you. You can start to see how these things could actually start happening. When I was a kid, when I was born, none of this was possible. None of it was possible. I remember being in church and they were talking about this. Nobody really knew. In fact, one of the biggest things they thought was when the barcodes. Remember barcodes came out on groceries? They thought, that's got to be it. That we're all going to have a barcode on our head. <laughs> Nano, 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 you know what I'm saying? And, and that's what we all thought it was, and, and obviously not. They've gotten a lot more sophisticated, and who knows how small that thing's going to be. But if you don't, now something about it, you say, well, do we have to worry about getting a credit card or an iPhone? Or, no, no, I don't think so at all. Is there's going to be something about it that you have to pledge allegiance to this evil person to get it. And if you don't get it, you can't buy or sell anything. It's going to be nasty. And people who understand the stuff don't get it and they'll be greatly persecuted. Which again, you say, when's this going to happen? I hope in about 800 years from now because I don't want anything to do with this stuff. But I, all it could be in a year from now, who knows? Just Jesus, be ready, be ready. Watch, pay attention. Here's another one out of Revelation that, that when I was growing up, nobody thought it was even possible. Revelation 20, verse 4. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had 
been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. In the late 60s, early 70s, when we were reading these Bible verses, people would mock us and say, nobody cuts anybody's heads off anymore. This is absurd. It can't even possibly happen. And then I remember some Christians coming out with us. Well, technically on the books in France, do you know the guillotine is still a possible? So we said, well, that's what it's got to be. You know, but no one's ever heard. And then guess who shows up a few years ago? ISIS. And they're running through the Middle East and taking everyone who claimed to be a Christian and doing what to them? Cutting off their heads. If you go, oh, I never thought of it. It's because you're not watching. Watch, Jesus says. Watch, Peter. When that started happening, this is the first thing I thought of. Oh, man. Oh, man. Look at that. Here's another one. Revelation, 11th chapter, verse 9. Uh, and this, we won't get in the weeds, and I'm already, should be shutting up by now, but uh, I'm in charge. Um, uh, there's going to be these, during this time when things are just going crazy, and everything's out of, two guys are going to show up, the Bible says. Uh, special witnesses that God has. If I had time, I'd, it'd take me 20 minutes to explain it. It's really rather fascinating. Anyway, these two guys are giving this guy, this Antichrist, fits. And they're preaching and stuff, and nobody can stop them. Nobody can get them. Nobody can kill them. I mean, I don't know what, it's like a shield is around them. And they are freaking out. And then finally, um, they're killed. And this is what the Bible says. For three and a half days, uh, some from every tribe, people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. They're going to just lay there for three and a half days wherever they get struck and they're just dying. And the country is going to be celebrating. Not just the country, the whole world's going to be celebrating. Say, who would do that? Really? Have you noticed people who would, can you imagine how many people would have celebrated if Donald Trump had dropped dead? You know, I mean, there's some nasty people out there. Anyway, at this point, the whole world is celebrating. These guys finally drop over dead. And it says the inhabitants of the, body, uh, of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts. It's going to be like a mini Christmas. These guys are dead. Finally, we got rid of these guys and they're celebrating because these two prophets have tormented those who live on earth. Now, I was born in 1954. Um, None of this was possible when I was born. There's no way the whole world can see something happen. It's just not possible. For 2,000 years, people made fun of this verse. You still get this. I said, that's not even possible. Then in 1961, July 10th, the first satellite broadcast occurred. And now the whole world can see stuff happen. And, and even then, I mean, hardly anybody had a TV. You know, my dad was a doctor. We had a color TV. We were one of the hoity-toity people in town, you know. Color was, you remember the first color TVs? Everybody was orange. Horrible, horrible things. Uh, uh, but then more and more people started getting TVs, and everybody's, and pretty soon everybody has a TV. And now today, everywhere you go, you walk into a restaurant, bar, there's TVs everywhere. You know, you get on a plane, there's a TV on the screen right in front of you. Uh, everywhere. But, and then just, just what? A couple of years ago, they started streaming Live television onto this. Everybody now can see. And you say, well, that's, what about poor countries? I've been in poor countries. They don't have anything, but they, everybody has one of these. It's amazing. It is literally possible for the whole world to see something happening in real time and celebrating or whatever on one event. None of that was possible, even up to a few years ago, and now it is. When I see stuff like that, I go, oh, man. No, because I'm watching, watching. 
So, well, that creeps me out. Well, in a way, it's supposed to kind of creep us out. It's supposed to remind us all the time, pay attention. This stuff is lining up. I don't know when it's going to happen. It might be another 100 years, 200, 300 years. I'm voting for that because I don't want this. I don't want to be around when this is going on. But we need to stay awake. Pay attention. Say, Pastor, that is the creepiest Christmas sermon I've ever heard in my life. Amen. That was creepy. Trying to calm your children down tonight. It was just, just don't worry about it, it'll be fine. But uh, we're supposed to pay attention. Anyway, we are looking forward. The whole point of all of this, don't get rocked to sleep about this life. If all you think about 100% of the time is the next thing you're going to do, the next thing you're going to buy, the next thing, and you never think about eternity, this is a bad place for you. Now, I get most of our time we'll be thinking about those things because you have to deal with them. Jesus said, look, your heavenly father knows you need these things. But he said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. You don't have to freak. You don't have to panic about them. Anyway, okay, that's my creepy Christmas sermon. I, I promise to be nicer next Sunday. All right? All right. Uh, let's have our ushers, or not our ushers, we don't have ushers anymore. Um, the musicians can come back and we'll get ready to do our time of communion. All right. And uh, those of you at home can go get your bread and wine you're going to use this morning for communion. Uh, those of us at the uh, Fox Valley and here in Green Bay um, get these little cup things when you came in. If you haven't done them before, let me explain very quickly. It's two layers, a very thin layer. First layer of plastic gets you to the bread. Second layer gets you to the wine, although technically it's grape juice. because I don't think the wine would taste very good sitting in that plastic for too long. But, uh, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to be using those. And, uh, and by faith, whatever element you're using, to us now this becomes the body and the blood of Jesus. We're focusing on what Jesus Christ did for us. And something, one of the great things about coming to church on a regular basis is it does keep reminding us of eternal things. Much less likely to get rocked to sleep if you're going to church on a regular basis. Uh, something to keep in mind. So we do this every Sunday, always reminding ourselves of what all this is about. Jesus dying on the cross for our sins so that we could have uh, forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Now, uh, let's pray together. The Bible tells us whenever we do this to examine ourselves and set things right with God if we need to. And we're going to do that. Let's all bow our heads together as I pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, something we've done, something maybe we didn't do that we should have done, if we haven't loved you with our whole heart, if we haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves, Lord, maybe we've been guilty of getting rocked to sleep and being so concerned about this life, we forget about the life to come. We ask for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And as our heads are bowed, if you can think of anything specifically this week that maybe uh, is, is a problem, <laughs> just ask God to forgive you right now. Say, Lord, forgive me for doing this or that or whatever. And if you've never, ever asked Jesus to come into your life, why don't you do that right now? Maybe you're a first-time visitor watching us. Maybe you've been here for years and just never done it. Uh, but send, surrender your heart. Just ask Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins so that you can partake of this glorious thing that we celebrate every Sunday. In fact, we should be celebrating every day of our lives 
that our sins are forgiven and we can walk in a new life. Amen.